Welcome once again, fans of emerging cricket, and welcome also to Nate Hayes, AEC's USA correspondent. Nate, today you went and voted. Now, that's a bit of a preview of what we're going to talk about uh, in cricketing terms, but uh, how's things in North Carolina? Uh, they're pretty good. I w- actually, I was most excited to vote for a local candidate for the education board here. Uh, that was, you know, it's always nice when you can get motivated by one person instead of, you know, voting for the lesser of two evils, like everyone likes to say. But uh, yeah, it's nice <laughs> to have at least one person that you're really stoked to vote for. So yeah, I had that going today. I wanted to vote for somebody who would kind of improve things here for teachers and then students as well. So yeah, it, it, it was pretty easy. My kid's school was closed today. And if they closed the kid's school's on election day because they use them for polling places, but parents still have to go to work or they still have to work. So a lot of people have to use hours to go vote or, you know, have to hire someone to watch their kids when they vote. And then those people who get hired might not be able to vote. So yeah, it's it's kind of a convoluted mess compared to some parts of the rest of the world. Uh, and there's a push to give people the day off on election day, which I totally support. But uh, yeah, luckily for me, it was very easy for me to vote at lunch today. Well, in Australia, it's compulsory and always on a weekend. So uh, yeah, the the, uh, crazy stories of uh, American elections are always a bit of a fascination for us. But uh, moving to cricket elections and uh, USAC, the USA Cricket uh, Administration, recently held their elections finally after a delay of, I think, around close to two years due to COVID, supposedly, but also probably a, a bit of feet dragging from all involved, really. The elections happened back in August. Atul Rai was elected as interim chairman because of, um, well, I, I guess I'll leave it to you to explain, but uh, as well as Rai, there are a couple of other new faces in, on the board. Yes, actually, uh, uh, Atul and uh, Kuljit Najjar won their elections replacing Suraj Viswanathan and Ajit Baskar. And then Atul was selected as the interim chairman uh, for the time being. I think the biggest reason they, you know, he was selected as interim is uh, the former chairman uh, stepped down. So they needed to have a chairman and they're, they still haven't held the most recent elections still haven't come to pass. And I think that being that these two new electees were critical um, about people being able to vote for who who becomes the the board uh, chairperson when they were beyond their actual terms they were supposed to have. I think he wants to wait until the next election. I think the board wants to wait till the next election to hold those you know a proper board election for who the next chairperson is. So I think that that's the thinking behind that. Well, because even now there are some people overstaying their their terms since they they're kind of already behind the last election, you know, kind of two elect. They were two elections behind. Now they're just one. <laughs> so when when are they going to catch up? I guess is the, the obvious question here. Well, we were told that this the newer election would take place shortly. They they just did have the AGM about a month ago. For the last year, it was the AGM for the I guess 2021 year that they held in on October 9th, um, which is a you know very odd time to have. An AGM, but they were quite quite a ways behind on that AGM. So I think they're trying to play catch up now. I know that Kuljit Nijar is is involved now with uh, the or he was involved with trying to sort out the finances after he got elected. And um, so during that AGM that they had, there were a lot of financial problems that were revealed. And if you watch that AGM, it's really tough to make heads or tails of it. Uh, I know afterwards, a lot of us were texting each other. Uh, back and forth. Do you think this means this? Do you think, you know, and, you know, there were a lot of serious financial problems that were kind of exposed there. And I don't think that they're perfectly clear now, but 
as Peter reported following that AGM, are about 600,000 in the hole going into the 2022 year, uh, thanks to a, a bunch of surprises, one of them being the the fact that they lost so much money uh, for the Ireland series. Yes, Peter Delpenner, of course, uh, ESPN Crick Info's USA correspondent, uh, and <laughs> if you follow him on Twitter, a mancad enthusiast. Uh, but um, maybe just winding back slightly, um, what were the, I guess, platforms of the new uh, electees and kind of where, where are they looking to take USAC in, well, over their potentially quite short terms as, as the next lot of elections are already on the horizon? Well, I, th- I think in order to understand the American cricket scene, the culture here, you have to understand how important the local leagues are. And it's very interesting because our local leagues and clubs don't operate like they do in England or Netherlands or Australia, where you have club systems, you have, you know, a first team, a second team, a third team, and you've got this kind of hierarchy built into the clubs where the best, you know, cream always rises to the top and things like that. And our leagues are much more like rec leagues, almost all of them in the, in how they operate at the very least. And the talent is kind of just based on whoever you happen to have in the area and whoever you can get on your team. And a lot of times you end up with not necessarily a meritocratic uh, club structure. You end up with teams that are com- composed of you know 45 year olds and also U- USA U19 players and and everything in the middle so y- you know you have a first second and third team all put together on one team the leagues are huge you know some yes they are often divided into tiers of talent but um but they kind of operate a little bit more chaotically than the systems that that, that a lot of our uh, listeners are are used to to knowing about and i think that Obviously, this is the foundation of American cricket, like it or not. And it's not something that I necessarily like because I, I see see some limitations there. I'd love to have it restructured more like uh, how it is in Australia. But that's basically the where what cricket is in the USA, um, what it's been, at least, you know, for, for a very, very long time. That's what it's been. And so what it tends to happen is a lot of these league uh, the people who are in charge of the leagues, I guess, kind of commissioners would be the American way to call them end up running for USA Cricket Board uh, positions. So you have a lot of competing regions, a lot of competing leagues who, you know, there's a lot of politicking going on. And and obviously you want your league to have a good voting block. You want to have plenty of like Triangle Cricket League actually had 9% of the vote in the in the USA. But Triangle Cricket League's own leadership refused to really back any candidates. So they lost kind of their power there. And a lot of that was because some of the people inside the league were accusing our leadership of aligning with certain candidates for whatever reasons. And so our league's leadership just decided not to not to endorse anybody. And so you get you get some of this bullying going on inside the leagues. And then you do have some leagues that take full advantage of their of their voting power. And they they definitely endorse uh, fully certain candidates. And, you know, obviously, anytime this stuff happens, you're going to have people aligning for for their own interests, for special interests and things like that. So one of the big focuses um, by a lot of the con- uh, the contenders in the election, not just Atul and um, Kuljit Nijar, not just the two of them, but every just about every contender that was going up against uh, Suraj Viswanathan and Ajit Bhaskar, they were painting uh, Suraj and Ajit in kind of as in being in cahoots 
with uh, minor league cricket, with major league cricket. And major league cricket, for those who don't know, is American Cricket Enterprises. And they have the uh, unique privilege of ha- of running the the top American uh, franchise league, the only recognized professional franchise league in the USA because of the deal they made with USA Cricket, which they bid for and they won and they won that bid. So Cooljit uh, and Atul and every other challenger, pretty much just about every other challenger uh, for the USA board did their best to paint Suraj and Ajit as being friendly with, with Major League Cricket at the expense of the other leagues around the country, the other <laughs> other American leagues, which all of them somehow kind of see themselves as competition with Major League Cricket in some weird, weird way. A lot of them do see themselves as kind of competition, maybe just for... The, for competition for the for USA Cricket's attention or competition outright, uh, there are plenty of American leagues that get approved every single year and sanctioned by the USA Cricket body to to run. And those leagues, oftentimes, just look at the names of the leagues. You know, you'll have some absolutely outrageously named leagues that are you know like they just paint themselves as being like the next greatest thing in, in, in American cricket, which is, which is kind of bizarre. I mean, you know, as a fan of American sports and not just American sports, but minor league American sports, like I love uh, American hockey league, the ECHL. I love the Atlantic league, which is an independent minor baseball league. I love affiliated minor league baseball. And these leagues don't paint themselves as, you know, the American premier baseball league. They paint themselves as the Atlantic League or the Piedmont League or the Carolina League or, you know, yeah, the American Hockey League obviously is is the top level of minor league in the country. But, you know, it's supposed to be just American. So there's all these distinguishing ways that other leagues kind of separate themselves. And a lot of the leagues in the USA that get sanctioned, you know, call themselves these really grandiose names. So that to me tells you that what what, you know, they feel like they should be the most recognized thing. But if you have like 30 of these mo- things that think that it should be the most recognized thing in the country and none of them are really doing anything aside from, you know, just some local league that occasionally hires some pros to come, that's not really progress. That's just kind of like it's still a very insulated little league there, isn't it? So, a lot of those leagues they they kind of see themselves in competition instead of working with minor league and major league cricket. And it's interesting because Atul Rai, in an interview that he gave uh, at least a year ago, he had said that he felt like he was there when minor league and major league were conceived because he was on the board previously. And his idea of the, the league was that minor league cricket should be reaching out into these local leagues and connecting with them. And, um, you know, making contacts with that league and kind of working together with the local leagues to have the local leagues kind of even run the minor league teams. If you look at previous interviews from him now, I don't know if he has that same sense because of the way that he he kind of politicked and the way that he kind of campaigned almost was putting the two against each other. And even here in, in uh, Morrisville, you've been here, um, wonderful place, heaven on earth. And, uh, even here in our league <laughs> at least the cricket ground is yeah yeah church street park is at least correct but um yeah so even here in inside triangle cricket league there's always somebody who wants to kind of like knock down the top guy and, and take over that role and when we i've seen it in our league where people are accusing uh tcl leadership triangle cricket league leadership of kind of being in cahoots with major league cricket and it's like wait a second being in cahoots with them it's, it's honestly then they're saying oh this is a contra- conflict of interest that you would help 
run the minor league cricket team in, in you know, that the Triangle Cricket League would use their resources to help manage the minor league cricket team and as if that's a conflict of interest. And I can say maybe in some ways it is. But to me, the conflict of interest, this is a USA partner. The, the conflict of interest would be to try to do something that's 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 uh, that's in conflict with that to kind of like try to be a competitor of that sort of, of that to compete for church street parks ground with whatever other league outside of triangle cricket league or whatever, you know, like minor league cricket isn't really taking time away from their team's ability to play at church street park by, by helping out with minor league cricket. If you look at the amount of dates where TCL gets access to church street park, it hasn't changed at all since before minor league cricket came around. So there really is no, in my mind, there's really no conflict. It's really good for the community that you would want your best players in your local league to be playing for the minor league uh, team. But a lot of people see it as as some kind of a threatening thing, as some kind of a conflict of interest. And that was definitely a huge talking point in this uh, in this election. Yeah, it's it is quite strange because, I mean, minor league, major league have been awarded a contract by USAC to run these tournaments. And suddenly you have these USAC administrators complaining about minor league and major league running tournaments that USAC itself gave them the contract for. It's all, yeah, it seems quite strange. But um, (laughs) I guess leaving that aside for now, the USAC AGM happened, as we said, about a month ago. We found out that there were some serious financial problems, as you say, around 650000 in debt. There were some questions around, uh, you know, a number of contractors and employees for USAC have not been paid yet due to these financial issues, and as well as the financial problems. And as you've kind of alluded to, there are now rumblings of, uh, you know, wanting to renegotiate the, uh, the the contract between American Cricket Enterprises, who who run Major League and Minor League. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and it doesn't seem like a whole lot of it is uh, is good news at the moment. Uh, give us a bit of an update on that situation. Well, starting with the ACE contract negotiation uh, situation there, I'm really curious about what exactly the people who are opposed to that deal, of what it is exactly that they don't like. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to not like something about a deal, to, to identify something that you feel like you get the short end of the stick on. But I'm... I'd, I just would like an answer about exactly what they want to nego- renegotiate. What, where do they feel they don't have the control they need? Do they feel like they're not getting enough money? What is, where is the shortcoming happening? And I've actually asked this question to the board directly. I've asked it in writing. I haven't gotten an answer. I actually submitted this question at the AGM. It went unasked. I submitted five questions. They did ask two of the questions. And at the AGM, they did give about 10 to 15 minutes two questions, but those questions had to be submitted by the end of the Friday prior, so two days before. If you talk to people like P- Peter Delapena, he'll tell you that that's not really an AGM if they're only going to give you 15 minutes and all the questions have to be submitted ahead of time. Because how do you know what question to ask, really? You haven't listened to their pitch yet. So, yeah, but those questions go kind of unclarified, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe there's a legal reason why they go unclarified. But uh, I would love to know because then I could, I could put, I could have an opinion, maybe. Well, and then, and then we could understand what the what the problem is. But yeah, it 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 does look like kind of just typical. Oh yes, we'll renegotiate the contract. Well, how? Oh, we'll... It's yeah. like yeah, that's the big thing. Why? And if you look at 
So to me, maybe I'm missing something. I don't see a terrible big problem with the contract. Basically, it acknowledges that the way forward for cricket in the USA is is with franchise cricket. And it, it does. Everybody talks about the 5% that USA is only going to get 5% of the, of the money that they raise themselves. And I'm my thought is, okay, well, that's kind of half the story. They get 5% of revenue from Major League Cricket and USA Cricket put together. And if you look at any kind of franchise system in this country versus the national governing body, and you can, you know, go ahead and guess which one makes more money. Uh, but if you combine the two of them together, then USA gets 5% of that. And that is the revenue. That's not profit. So that's right off the top. They get 5% of that. Now, yeah, I don't think that's going to give them heaps of money for the first few years. But in the long run, if if Major League Cricket is successful, which I, I expect it will be, uh, look at Major League Soccer. There are teams in Major League Soccer that are worth the same as teams in the IPL. And Major League Soccer, there are you go on the street, find 100 Americans randomly, ask them to name five Major League Soccer players and you might get one or two that do maybe maybe one so it's it's you know major league <laughs> major league soccer is kind of small potatoes as far as other sports are here now it's it's still way bigger than cricket's probably going to be but there is definitely a place for for major league cricket here and i think it will make money and and, I, and like i said that's a revenue share that's not that's not a profit share so i think that looks pretty good for for usa it's better than than nothing and then if you look at what what major league has actually given to USA up until this point, um, as has been published recently by Peter Delapena, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of million dollars that they wouldn't have otherwise had over the last three years. So that's, I think that's a positive thing. We, ha- I mean, you kind of have to look at what's the alternative, right? What's the alternative is, is kind of like nothing. Did they miss out on something? I want to know, I'd love to know this too. Did they miss out? Did they feel like they missed out on something from somebody else? And I've seen a lot of people compare this deal to what South Africa got for their franchises. But that's absolutely absurd because, yeah, okay, South Africa, their uh, national governing body got like a million or two million or something for each of those franchises, which is good. But they also had something to sell. They had venues to sell. You know, they have venues there. They have a league. Well, that's the other thing. Minor League is building all these turf or hybrid facilities in the first place. Yes, exactly. They don't exist. We have just Florida, which is, you know, it's a public venue. We have Church Street Park, public venue. It's owned by the town. And, and all of these things, yes, they're lovely. And it's great that Church Street Park's owned by the town, in my opinion. It's excellent. But there are challenges to working with a, a venue that's owned by by the public. So they're built, they have to build their own private venues that they'll have full control over. They have to build all this stuff themselves. They've they've announced this year that they're going to have all of their games on on hybrid wicket or natural turf wicket. Every game in minor league cricket that's 200 games or so, if they have the same schedule that they had last year, you know that's 200 games that'll all be played on either hybrid or turf. And you know, as you guys have talked about plenty of times on the Emerging Cricket Podcast, hybrid wicket is an excellent solution. It's an excellent alternative to having to spend couple of hundred thousand dollars on on your ground or a hundred thousand every year or, or you know it's a excellent alternative to that it's a great middle ground it's it's uh it reproduces a lot of great uh cricket conditions 
So, uh, you know, you can't compare the South Africa deal to the Major League deal with uh, USA. And yes, I have been paid by Major League Cricket for some of the content I've made for them. I have been. I have been paid for commentary. So, you know, I, I've, I've had people in the USA kind of community be like, oh, well, you are you know where your bread is buttered. I can tell you that, yes, I've been paid by them, but they're not buttering my bread. <laughs> 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 A big difference. So it's, it's you know, I, yes, I, I, do, I am pro um, major league cricket with my my opinions for the most part i would love to see where this um is a bad deal for usa uh i think you know there's all kinds of speculation that maybe major league cricket's overreaching themselves and in, in terms of power and things like that and you know if that's the case i'd like to i want to hear about the details so i can i can know where my opinion is going to be but uh but yeah it, the major league cricket is is really working hard i think to change the landscape of cricket in this country for the better to change the product for the better to come connect with the American public much more than the kind of legacy cricket uh, um, options in the country have been in the past where there was no concern about connecting to the general public. Um, it was more used for like recreation of, of like a cultural needs for expats and things like that, you know, which is totally mm-hmm. fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with with wanting to be connected to to your past or where you're from. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But like for the good of cricket itself, it has to reach out into new audiences. We all know that's true. That's kind of what emerging cricket's all about. Acknowledging that cricket has to move into new audiences. And that's the thing I like about Major League Cricket the most that I haven't really seen from the national governing body, no matter who's been in charge of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, as you say, what's the alternative? And I guess I, I certainly have some misgivings about uh, about ACE uh, and, and Major League and whatnot. But at the same time, you compare it to what has gone on, well, from multiple US governing bodies over the years and the progress or lack thereof that we've seen over the decades and yeah i mean i can't imagine usac building all these turf slash hybrid facilities without major league so yeah i i I think yeah you can't even expect them to it would be unfair to expect usa cricket to do that they don't have the budget they're never going to have exactly yeah it's this is why the deal happened supposedly this is why there was a such an itch for usa to have a professional uh, league and uh, was for this type of thing to happen and and um so now that it is happening and yes it's happening slowly and it's happening slower than i would like and it's happening slower than i think anybody would like but we also know that this country is massive it is very hard to get you know i think looking at looking at the original plan oh yeah even if covid had never happened you're know, looking at the original major league plan we're going to launch by this date. We're going to have this many stadiums by this date. If you look around at the way how slow it goes in this country to build stadiums in the first place, this is for the NFL. This is for Major League Baseball. This is for big things that have a lot of influence and bring a whole lot of money into cities. Hopefully baseball does at least. It's very slow going. I mean, Oakland has been trying to get a new stadium for decades. No lie, like like decades. And, and they always come very, very close and you see all these plans and, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars are spent planning this stuff out. And then it crashes and burns and they have to start over again. This is not an easy thing to do by any stretch. You're, you're trying to build. And yes, the venues are going to be smaller. And that's part of the reason why they have to be smaller. I, I really do think if you had a 30,000 seat venue in Los Angeles just for cricket or in New York City just for cricket and you and you put the right games there, 
it would absolutely fill the capacity. I, but you're not, you're never going to get one built. Even if you had the money, it's still going to take you forever to get one built. I mean, the New York Giants don't even play in New York City. You know, there's a reason for that. So it's it's very hard, very slow going to get these things done. I think anybody with any reasonable expectation who understands the the landscape here knows why it's taking a while. But it is happening, and uh, that's a, that's a very positive thing. I, I tend to subscribe to Peter Delpenner's attitude that you believe that the league is happening when the first ball is actually bowled. But that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've seen a lot of these uh, big plans come and go over the years in America, but I think certainly Major League Cricket have got a lot further down the path towards making the league actually happen than any of the other uh, attempts. So. They've got that going for them. Um, and I guess this is kind of related to the point about, you know, what's the alternative? The alternative is USAC. And USAC at the moment, are, as we said, $650,000 in debt due to some financial problems. Um, the, the presentation at the AGM listed two uh, unplanned variances, uh, is, is what they called it, which is uh, kind of a nice way of saying uh, a big hole in the budget. They come from 2021, which was... So there was the Ireland series, which was relatively hastily arranged and they hadn't budgeted for it and it ended up costing them uh, just about $400,000. And more mysteriously, I guess, is admin costs, which was listed at being around $137,000 in the budget. And they spent almost $800,000, which we didn't really see where that money actually went. Um, You know, the Ireland series... Is kind of understandable because yeah like i said they they organized it at the last minute and they hadn't they hadn't planned for it so yeah that that was pretty expensive but where are all these mysterious admin costs coming from well we do know that there is a lawsuit um against usa cricket for civil rights for when they fired kirk reeves or they failed to renew his contract or they terminated his contract he is suing uh usa cricket and so that could account for some of it but that also didn't happen until 2022 so that's we did have the big U.S. the lawsuit within USA Cricket Board within a couple of uh, from a couple of the board members. And uh, uh, that could be accounting for a lot of this. Um, some of the yeah, I don't really know because I asked them this question and they didn't answer it. And the Ireland <clears throat> series. Yes, that was planned at the last minute. I'm kind of on the fence with that because, you know, first of all, it's a great advertisement for the quality of USA cricket that USA went out and beat Ireland in one of those two T20s. And Ireland's right now, you know, Ireland made it all the way to the Super 12 in the T20 World Cup. So that's, you know, that's that's a great advertisement for the quality of cricket we have here in the USA, which I think is underappreciated still by most of the world, even though we do tend to choke. But, you know, so I'm you never want to like poo poo more cricket. You know, but at the same time, at the cost of four hundred thousand dollars. Now, that's four hundred thousand dollars that 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 the entire series cost. They scheduled that on the tail end of the U.S. Open, right after the U.S. Open ended. They had to schedule it over Christmas holiday. That was the best time they could they could get with uh, Ireland because of Ireland's schedule with the West Indies. So that was pretty much the only time it could work out. Now everything is more expensive at Christmas time. It also affected their the amount of fans that were able to go to that series. I mean, maybe some more fans were able to go because it was the Christmas holiday and they had a little more leave, but some fans couldn't go because they have to, you know, they have plans already for Christmas and it is tough to change those plans. But either way, they they did get a decent, decent crowd out there for USA cricket. And then because they had this after the U S open, this was something I wrote about recently at the end of October, there was a breakout of COVID 
that has been attributed to the U.S. Open by a lot of people. And there's a big controversy about that. But anyhow, the, the COVID ended up spreading throughout both camps and they had to cancel the ODI leg of the whole series, which they would have been able to probably nearly break even on, but they had to cancel it. So they had spent, they had already spent the 400K. They ended up losing about 250 or $270,000 out of those three canceled ODI. So they didn't lose $400,000. They lost about 252, 270. Still, that combined with the additional admin costs um, that were unexpected put them in a total hole of, uh, I think, $650,000 heading into 2022. Now, I'm sure that we can talk a little bit about that U.S. Open situation, which I wrote about. Yes, let's. There's, there's, there was a lot going on there. There was definitely a lot going on there. And there were two teams involved in this particular dispute. I believe one of them was the Florida Scorpions, I think they're called. And the other one was the Samp Army team from Morrisville, North Carolina, where their ownership is from North, Morrisville, North Carolina. And Samp Army... They got word that a couple of the players on the other team had tested positive for COVID or had active COVID. So they were upset about that. Kirk Greaves, who was a liaison at the time for USA Cricket at the ground there in Lauder Hill, uh, intervened, tried to stop the game from happening, demanded that USA players be removed from the game. There were also Ireland players involved in the game, but he demanded USA players be removed from the game because he didn't want, obviously, for obvious reasons, he didn't want to head into the USA a series that they spent so much money on with a bunch of guys who have COVID and are putting the whole thing at risk. So he intervened, delayed the start of it for quite some time. This is all according to Matt Qureshi's uh, letter to USA Cricket, Matt Qureshi being the founder of US Open tournament. So he delayed the game and Matt Qureshi himself called the police or had someone call the police. I'm not sure which, but somebody from the Matt Qureshi camp called the police, had Kirk Greaves and another USA liaison uh, escorted off of the property. And then uh, obviously, then then the, t- the the whole series was up upturned because of COVID uh, outbreaks and some of them involving players that were involved in those particular teams. So that was a big boo-boo. <laughs> and then and then Matt Qureshi wrote a letter demanding that, that Kirk Greaves, who at the time was employed as a contractor by USA Cricket, demanding that Kirk Greaves never set foot on, on any of his uh, tournaments again. And I thought that was kind of bold of him to do. He also claimed that USA had no jurisdiction at all over his tournament. Another bold move, I thought. Well, well hang on. Isn't the tournament only allowed because it was sanctioned by USAC? Yes, exactly. It is sanctioned every year by uh, USA Cricket, and it, it actually featured USA Cricket players, as it always does. And I believe USA, <laughs> one of the reasons I think they kind of scheduled their Ireland series right up to there was, or one of the benefits they got, maybe not one of the reasons they scheduled it, but one of the benefits they got from having the US Open occur just before that series is that they didn't have to pay flight tickets for the USA players to get to Lauderhill, Florida. So, you know, piggybacking right on the back of that that USA sanctioned tournament, the US Open, you know, it's a pretty good way for them to save some money. So, yeah, but ultimately it cost them a lot because according to some people that the COVID situation there was not terribly well handled. And you can argue that the that that's kind of evident in what, what ended up ended up happening. Yeah, Makureshi is a name that um, comes up a lot <laughs> in, in various uh, USA cricket shenanigans. Um, we, we probably don't need to go into his long rap sheet uh, just at the moment. But uh, another thread of, of this AGM that came to light was that uh, as well as the financial problems and and the fact that they haven't paid 
a number of staff for several months now. Well, that's that's kind of an issue I didn't like about the AGM was they didn't even mention the, the employees that hadn't got paid. Those employees were mentioned about, I think, nine days prior when Atul wrote to the USA membership. He wrote this letter himself and sent it to the USA members explaining that they were in you know dire straits. And he even, he even in that letter acknowledged that there are USA players and employees that haven't gone paid. Now, however, that didn't get acknowledged in the AGM. Right. So the AGM didn't even talk about this. Um, but as well as not talking about the employees who weren't being paid, they then announced that they were on the hunt for a new CEO. Uh, so, you know, they, they have outstanding bills to existing employees and then they announced that they're trying to find a CEO who probably won't be cheap. And then it came out, you know, a couple of weeks after the AGM that they had hired a new CEO. So again, where's the money for that coming from? It's all a bit of a mystery at the moment, I think. Yeah, it is. And it's also interesting that the week prior, that letter that a tool sent to the to the USA membership a week before, he had acknowledged that they were in financial trouble. He acknowledged that, yes, there had, there were employees that were going unpaid. And then he said that because of these things, because of the debt and the fact that they haven't paid people, they were not going to hire a CEO until those things were resolved. That's what he said in his letter. And then at the AGM, in the presence of two uh, employees of ICC, Will Glenwright and Farah Dorsey, he said that they were going to hire a CEO after all. And that they were currently searching for one. And then about a week or two later, they announced that they had found one and that they had uh, hired one. All of this without having yet paid their employees. But one of the things is they, to be fair, one of the things they did announce also at the AGM was that the ICC was going to pay them for their quarter three payment, which they were withholding at the time because USA had not yet given them the financials that they were required to give them at the end of quarter two. but. You know, now that apparently they did give them those financials, the ICC was going to give them the money is what was announced at the AGM. Now, as of, as of the time of my three weeks later, when I wrote my article, they had not yet paid the USA employees or contractors. Uh, so I don't know if they had gotten that money yet from the ICC. You would like to see that they make that a priority, paying their employees. You would like to see that at the very least they could they could do that. Yeah, you, you would like to hope they would pay their stuff, but um, I, I guess we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes over the next little while. I, I guess the other big story is there's a couple of uh, announcements coming out of Major League Cricket, uh, as we referred to, you know, they're, they're the ones who are actually kind of doing stuff. Um, and, and it does seem like some progress is being made towards uh, the opening season and, you know, uh, the first ball being bowled. Yes, they're, they're in the middle of building their venue in Dallas area, which is an old baseball stadium which uh, they announced that in, I believe, November of 2020. Um, but they broke ground on that this summer. Yeah, so that's going to be one of the venues for the very first season of Major League Cricket. They they hired a, this is one of the most exciting things to me, was they, they hired a, a fellow named Dave Agnew, who is officially now Major League Cricket's head um, curator of grounds. And this guy, what he is a history of doing, what he's a, spe- I mean, to be honest, the uh, pandemic was kind of like right up this guy's alley because he, he has a history of traveling around, popping up grounds in kind of <laughs> half unbelievable places and just making excellent cricket pitches out of nothing to making extra excellent cricket grounds out of nothing. In fact, he he, he curated the GT20 the second year when they went to um, Brampton. They didn't even have a, a real cricket ground there. They just had a big open field pretty much. 
I've known him because he actually put up our wicket here in Morrisville in 2018. And he did that in 10 weeks ahead of the ICC T20 qualifiers. We didn't have a wicket that was any good. He we read he redid the entire wicket in a natural turf wicket in 10 weeks, which a lot of people don't think that's even possible. But, you know, that first over, Ali Khan bowled a, bowled a ball halfway down the track that bounced over everyone's head and went all the way to the boundaries. So, I mean, it was like a very good wicket. It was... <laughs> So anyhow, yeah, he, this is what he does. He goes around and he sets up grounds and he makes them look really nice. The se- like I said, the second year of that GT20 when he when he put up the Brampton ground, it was literally just a big open thick grass field. And if you look at the pictures of it, it it, it went a long way from 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 there. Obviously, there's enough criticism about that that league that's valid, but you can't really critique that too much. So yeah, he used to be the head curator at Seddon Park in New Zealand. And then he did the CPL tournaments over the last couple of years. Uh, and as a lot of people know, those happened at very few grounds because of COVID. Um, so it was just two grounds, basically. And he's you know, ha- managing, you know, 30 plus games at one ground or something. So, yeah, he isn't he's an expert at dealing with like high pressure situations where, you know, you need to turn things around quickly. This is actually like a long lead time for him. You know, they're not going to have this league until next summer. <laughs> so this is... <laughs> This is actually really good. He's he's the but he's the right man for the job. Passionate about his work. He's he's a very good teacher. And I think a lot of times in when you have specialized work, at least in the tech industry, I know this is true. You have specialized work, and you want to protect your secrets because you want to you know improve your own value. But he sees a lot of value in his ability to teach people about how to maintain a ground, which is what we need in this country. There aren't many people who know how to do this, and there aren't many people willing to like teach others about it. And he's, he's one that is, and you saw our pitch here. It, you saw our ground here in, in Morrisville. He taught the local municipal employees how to manage, how to put a good wicket in and how to maintain a good wicket all summer. And they did a tremendous job by all accounts. So he's the perfect guy to hire for that role. I can't praise major league cricket enough uh, for that, but yes, that's, that'll be one of the venues for, for major league cricket at when it launches next, this coming summer. And, you know, there's going to be six teams to, it'll most likely be at two venues um, because they just don't have the venues yet. Like we've gotten to a point in American cricket where really the biggest thing holding up cricket is the lack of venues. So that's come a long way in a couple of years, but yeah, pretty much, I think, you know, there'd only be a couple of venues and, you know, we know that the six teams are going to be, New York, Dallas, uh, Washington, D.C., Seattle, L.A., and San Francisco. Uh, But it'll be some two to three years probably before those teams are able to play at home venues. So slightly better than the the GT20 where we had... uh... A bunch of Canadian teams who represented cities that none of the players had uh, ever even been in. Yes, and and better because they actually have some deals or some preliminary deals at least with those municipalities to actually build venues in those areas. Whereas GT20 just named them after that with really no clear signs of actually wanting to have a, a venue in Vancouver. So yeah, it might look like the GT20 at first in that regard. It'll just be two venues probably, and so that that's going to be a little bit disappointing. But I, I don't anticipate the first season to be a very long league either, which has its pros and cons. One of the pros of that is actually you'll be able to have the talent you'll be able to get internationally if you have a shorter season is is going to be immense. They'll be able to get so many really big names to get the eyes of existing cricket fans on the league, which is step one pretty much. Yeah, a bit of a 
Hong Kong Blitz strategy. You know, Tim's baby over in Hong Kong when, when he was CEO there and they got a, a number of international stars, you know, Kumar Sangakara and others involved. And, and that certainly helped them get a lot of attention. It did. And, and if you mentioned that now to cricket fans, they know what you're talking about. A lot of cricket fans know what that was. So this this is, you know, it, it'll probably be a shorter season. But yeah, like I said, you get the bigger names in there and, and we might see a lot of names from, that have just played in this World Cup. You know, I, I think that's they're going to want to go big. I know they're absolutely going to want to get some of these big name players, big performers out there, big T20 players. And, uh, you know, like I said, that's step one is getting the existing eyes on the league. And step two is getting brand new eyes in the league, which they're also trying to do with, you know, relationships with people like John Boy Media. And hopefully that, you know, I mean, I just I send his video out all the time, his his explainer about cricket for Americans, basically like cricket for baseball fans. I'm always emailing or texting that that video to people. When they're like, oh, I want to learn about cricket. I'm like, here, watch this. Because it, it does it better than I could do it. <laughs> and also, when they see, when they look at it and they see it's got almost 800,000 views, it gives it a little bit more credence, you know, than than having to listen through me talking to them for three, three four minutes. Yeah, the John Boy Media uh, interest in cricket has been a, a pretty unexpected, but um, it's, a, it's a big opportunity for <laughs> cricket in America if they can... Uh, managed to, uh, you know, keep him on side and and uh, you know reach some of the millions of followers that he has. And uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a very interesting and uh, um, potentially transformative uh, partnership on, on the way there with American Cricket and John Boy. Yeah, it's it's very good. And I know from talking to John Boy, uh, communicating with him, he's the type of guy that isn't going to do anything. He's not a mercenary. He enjoys things enough that he doesn't have to be a mercenary, basically. He's not going to do something if he doesn't see it as good quality. He's not going to tie himself to something. So he's very excited about the idea that we're going to have professional cricket in the USA and that he's very intrigued by the fact that there would be some bigger names in it, that it's hoping to be a very good league, that it's hoping to be a high-quality league. So, um, you know... And and like I said, he's not he's not going to like jump in on something unless he's like really sold on the idea, unless he really likes the idea himself. Because what he sells is enthusiasm. That's kind of his product, uh, you know, in, in a way. He's he he gets very excited, very enthusiastic about things, and then he's contagious. He just he just spreads like a invasive plant. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have to say, I, I don't I don't love baseball even after the fun experience we had at at the minor league together. Um, but you know, watching John Boy videos, even even as a non baseball fan, I still enjoy. Uh, yeah, as you say, his, his enthusiasm for the game. So you know, if he can transfer that to cricket in America, I think that's that's potentially huge. I I agree with you. And you know what? If you if you're not going to be a, become a baseball fan after going with me to a Durham Bulls game <laughs> on on Bull Durham night after watching Bull Durham on the flight over here, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, look, I, <laughs> the experience was great. I I love you know small town America, all all of that, the enthusiastic crowd, the relaxed atmosphere, the um the the mascots, little car breaking down. Yeah, that was all a lot of fun. You were very hard on him. You were very hard on him. <laughs> oh, look, he was he was doing his best. Um, but. Look, it, it's just not for me, as you say. But um, anyway, uh, we, we, we don't need to talk about baseball. We'll leave that to John Boy. 